International Law and Sustainable Development, taught by me, Charlotte Siebergasser, at the University of Lucerne in Spring Term 2021. Episode 4 Sustainable Development in International Investment Regulation. This episode intends to provide an overview of relevant obligations in international investment law and of the role of international investment law in the promotion of the economic, environmental and social dimensions inherent in sustainable development. The goal is to achieve a good understanding of the connection between sustainability in investment and in international trade regulation. Introduction The Sustainable Development Goals aim at achieving sustainability along the three dimensions of economic, social and environmental sustainability. Notwithstanding practical or financial limitations, governments are basically only limited by international law in the design of their sustainability measures. As you have already learned, sustainability measures can be classified along the three strategies of one, efficiency, two, consistency, and three, sufficiency. As we've discussed, policy measures with an impact on trade are bound to come with high economic costs for the regulating country because it creates a competitive disadvantage for the domestic economy. Or um, such measures are bound to collide with existing obligations in international economic law. But what about measures with an impact on investment? That's what we discuss today. Foreign Direct Investment, FDI. Foreign direct investments can be made in a variety of ways, including the opening of a subsidiary or associate company in a foreign country, acquiring a controlling interest in an existing foreign company or by means of a merger or joint venture with a foreign company. OECD guidelines establish that the threshold for a foreign direct investment which establishes a controlling interest is a minimum of 10% ownership stake in a foreign-based company. Foreign direct investments are commonly made in open economies as opposed to tightly regulated economies. If these open economies then also offer a skilled workforce and above average growth prospects, they're particularly uh, attractive for investors. Foreign direct investment frequently involves more than just capital investment. It may also include the provision of management skills, management staff or of technology and technology transfer. Arguably, Foreign direct investment used to be the single most critical driver in the creation of global value chains since the mid-1980s. We can observe a sharp increase in foreign direct investment starting in the mid-1980s and peaking for the first time in the early 2000s and then a second time in 2008 
and nine. It has been declining since 2016. FDA in international law. Applicable rules um, with regard to foreign direct investment, mostly dealing with the protection of foreign direct investment, can be found in bilateral treaties. Such bilateral treaties can be called bilateral investment treaties, BITs, or international investment agreements, IIAs, and some, sometimes they may be a part of an existing preferential trade agreement in the form of a separate investment protection chapter. In the early days of foreign direct investment, it would happen at times that uh, the host state of the foreign direct investment would expropriate the foreign investor by uh, claiming that the factory or the land belonged to the host state and uh, taking it away from the foreign investor. Um, in order to protect um, their citizens, then, the national or the home state of the investor would quite regularly then engage in diplomacy um, up until actually sending out the army in order to recover uh, their citizens' investment. Obviously, this situation was less than ideal and no guarantee for stability in foreign relations. Hence, um, investment protection treaties actually aim at uh, regulating disputes between the host state and the foreign investor in a legally binding manner so that no army needs to be deployed or any other more or less diplomatic means. However, the centerpiece to achieve this aim is quite disputed. It is called uh, investor state arbitration. According to the investor state arbitration procedures, should a, a dispute arise between a host state and a foreign investor, um, a ad hoc arbitration panel would be installed and the two parties would actually not have to turn to the uh, courts of the host state of the investment. This ad hoc arbitration panel consists normally of three uh, panelists or arbitrators. The host state and the foreign investor each appoint one panelist or arbitrator and they have to agree on a third one. Decision in the matter is then taken uh, by a majority decision. This procedure has been heavily criticized, particularly also in industrialized countries and more recently, as being very undemocratic, very intransparent and then also uh, very uh, unreliable. In reaction to this criticism, um, among others, the EU and Canada are currently uh, working on regulating the procedures in dispute settlement over uh, foreign direct investment uh, in a more reliable and transparent and ultimately also more democratic manner. Among others, they are working together also now with other uh, countries on installing a multilateral investment court. Some regulation of foreign direct investment can also be found in international trade agreements. 
particularly in the chapters on trade in services. In the services chapters or, or even in, in particular specific investment chapters or in preferential trade agreements, um, rules regarding the sectors which are open to foreign direct investment uh, may be uh, entailed, but also obligations for foreign investors, like, for instance, the number of local employees um, that they need to employ in order to rightfully invest and the rights of foreign investors like the right to uh, temporarily move to the host state in order to actually set up a subsidiary. To summarize, foreign direct investment and uh, actually the role of FDI in outsourcing and therewith in the race to the bottom in standard setting, it should not be underestimated. FDI has a critical role to play in the creation of more sustainable global value chains and is critical also for the creation of jobs in developing countries and in least developed countries. And even though um, some rules regarding foreign direct investment may be covered by international trade regulation to some part, uh, still, FDI remains largely outside of international economic law. This means that basically the principle of non-discrimination only applies to a limited degree to foreign investors and foreign investments. There are therefore regulatory opportunities for the promotion of sustainable development through foreign direct investment independent from a new global consensus as would be required in international economic law um, regarding uh, standard setting in global value chains. Applicable rules in BITS and IIAs. The purpose of BITS and IIAs, um, bilateral investment treaties and international investment agreements, is basically the protection, promotion and liberalization of foreign direct investment. To that aim, these treaties establish a number of standards of protection. The most prominent standards are the fair and equitable treatment, the FET standard, national treatment and most favoured nation treatment and the protection of property. The fair and equitable treatment standard, the FET standard has been uh, called also a catch-all element which uh, basically ensures that investors are not unfairly burdened and which uh, most prominently protects investors' so-called legitimate expectations. National treatment and most favoured nation treatment basically refers to the treatment of the foreign investor in the host market. That's quite similar to international trade regulation. Finally, the protection of property refers uh, basically to the rules regarding expropriation. Furthermore, these treaties actually entail rules on the compensation for losses as a result, for instance, of expropriation, of conflict or of war. And finally, they usually entail some form of dispute settlement proceedings. Uh, still, the standard would be a reference or incorporation of investor state arbitration. International Investment Law and Sustainable Development 
While international investment regulation leaves considerable policy space with regard to national measures aiming at the promotion of sustainable development, some general problems have been identified. First of all, safeguarding policy space has proven difficult. In this regard, bilateral investment treaties are considered to be rather outdated and um, they are have been found to actually create or contribute to considerable legal uncertainty. This is the case, for instance, with regard to the right to regulate or the scope of the right to regulate of the host state, but also with regard to the um, interpretation of regulatory taking um, and of course, as mentioned before, with regard to the FED clause, the legitimate expectations of the investor. Furthermore, uh, investor state arbitration has been criticized for being unpredictable and non-transparent and for creating an advantage for foreign investors vis-à-vis uh, -vis domestic investors because foreign investors can actually turn to international arbitration, whereas national investors will have to uh, turn to national courts. And finally, what is also considered to be problematic is the fact that there is no appellate mechanism available to appeal against clearly overreaching decisions of these ad hoc arbitration panels, which, of course, should be amended by the new initiatives led by the EU and Canada. With regard to sustainability and international investment law, um, some a number of specific recommendations are uh, currently circulating. Um, the first recommendation actually deals with safeguarding of policy space of the uh, host state of the foreign direct investment. It says that the right to regulate um, as a general exception should be limited to sustainability measures. Specifically also um, international investment regulation should allow processing and production methods to be the basis for unequal treatment between investors. Meaning that, for instance, that if a particular investor doesn't follow uh, human rights standards in the production, he can be treated uh, differently from an investor which is actually following very closely human rights standards in the production. Furthermore, the definition of regulatory taking should be limited to interference with tangible or intangible property rights of the foreign investor. And finally, the fair and equitable treatment clauses should be abandoned altogether or at least clearly limited. Quite advanced are also recommendations regarding the dispute settlement proceedings. Here actually it has been suggested to define and limit access to investor state arbitration and to replace the existing system with a permanent court including an appellate body. Um, such uh, endeavors are actually underway. National and international initiatives regarding corporate justice. You may have come across 
some initiatives on the local, regional or international level aiming at strengthening corporate responsibility. Essentially, these initiatives actually amount to a regulation of foreign investment. Within boundaries of currently applicable international law, they are aiming at combating the race to the bottom in processing and production methods. Fairly advanced are negotiations at the UN Human Rights Council regarding corporate responsibility. They have come up with a legally binding draft treaty on activities of transnational corporations and uh, uh, regarding human rights law. At the European level, the European Coalition for Corporate Justice, which is a well-organized lobbying organization, has prepared a uh, mandatory human rights due diligence regulatory framework. In addition, several national initiatives regarding the regulation of corporate responsibility are underway, such as, for instance, in France, in the Netherlands or in uh, Germany. Hence, a number of countries have already enacted laws regarding the compliance of multinational corporations with international human rights and environmental protection standards. This applies to uh, national corporations for the most part in all their business activities, including, most importantly, their business activities abroad. The rules usually require that companies identify risks and take effective measures to mitigate a potentially negative impact of their business activities on the environment and on the protection of human rights. It more or less depends a little bit on the actual law, applies also to the suppliers if corporations are in a position of de facto control. Switzerland recently voted on the initiative um, for responsible business. The popular initiative was very narrowly rejected. It didn't... uh, Uh, secured the majority of all the votes from the cantons, whereas it actually had a teeny tiny majority of all votes casted. The popular initiative for responsible business proposed the following measures with regard to the regulation of uh, multinational corporations and their implications of their business activities abroad. It said that the law shall regulate the obligations of companies that have their uh, registered office, central administration or principal place of business in Switzerland. Furthermore, companies um, must respect internationally recognized human rights and environmental standards and not only domestically but also abroad. They must ensure that human rights and environmental standards are also respected by companies under their control. Companies would have been required to carry out appropriate due diligence, which meant that they must identify real and potential impacts on internationally recognized human rights and environmental standards um, and to take appropriate measures to prevent the violation of these standards or to seize existing violations and account for actions taken. These duties would have applied to controlled companies as well as to all business relationships also abroad. 
And finally, in order to enforce this law, companies would have been liable for damage caused by their business activities and even by companies which were under their control where, um, if, if they were not able to demonstrate or prove that they had taken everything, all precautions necessary to prevent the damage from happening. The initiative triggered an unprecedented civil engagement among Swiss citizens. But it also led to an unprecedented engagement by businesses both for and against the initiative. There was a fear of economic disadvantage versus a do the right thing very present in the entire campaign. As the final result of the vote um, proved, actually, there is a, there are a quite uncertain majorities with regard of these issues in the Swiss constituency. Given that other European countries are expected to enact uh, stricter laws in the near future, we will be able to see to what extent actually the fear of economic disadvantage was justified in the campaign and to what extent the uh, aspect of doing the right thing was uh, also justified because essentially companies would have been uh, obliged to um, conduct a thorough due diligence and we will um, see to what extent this kind of due diligence measures will actually lead to a tangible improvement along the value chains. The issue of uh, implications for the environment and human rights of business activities of national companies abroad um, has not yet been resolved, uh, neither nationally nor internationally. And at least in Switzerland, the topic will continue to be a part of public discourse for another while. Ultimately, the more countries actually enact such laws or similar laws, the more likely it will be that we will reach relatively soon a kind of global consensus regarding um, responsible business, which will then lead to at least some form of multilateral regulation. International Law and Sustainable Development Taught by me, Charlotte Siebergasser, at the University of Lucerne in Spring Term 2021.